It's Monday, May 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I wanted you to be here in the studio even before we got the legal news, but now it's even better that a lawyer is here in the studio with me because, uh, and we'll get to what's happening on Wall Street in just a second, but uh, the Supreme Court has ruled this morning against Apple in a 5 to 4 decision. Uh, the justices ruled that consumers can go ahead with a lawsuit over how Apple manages its App Store. I guess this is a big deal, but you tell me. I keep seeing that this is a big defeat for Apple. If you look at what's happening with Apple's stock, that's not really reflected there. Yes, Apple's stock is down, but it wasn't like it took this big dip once this was announced. Yeah, it's down a little over 5% as we talk about it, and the rest of the market's down about 2.5%, and the NASDAQ 3%. So, uh, if you want to isolate the portion of the bad news that is about this lawsuit that the market is pricing in, you might call it a 2% drop, something like that. And that might be the status of the case, which is it, the case is allowed to go forward. Uh, but it is not a final verdict or anywhere close in terms of probably the number of years that may follow uh, as the litigation continues. Uh, but ultimately, uh, yeah, Apple doesn't want to be liable to the users of iPhones for misuse of its uh, monopoly power. Yeah, I don't, again, you're the lawyer, not me, but I just sort of look at this and say, okay. It's a close decision. It's it's not like this was some unanimous, you know, all the liberal judges and all the justices and all the conservative justices got together and said yes, absolutely, this should proceed. It was a five to four split, and yeah, I I'm looking at the stock and I don't own shares of Apple, but if I'm an Apple shareholder, I I think I'm more concerned about other parts of the business than I am about the impact of this lawsuit. Yeah, well, if in terms of the liberal conservative split, if you're looking for silver linings, uh, you might decide that uh, Kavanaugh, who wrote the opinion, joining uh, with the other four, the other four, the four liberal uh, judges on the court, and not voting in a block with the other four conservative judges is sort of a, a good thing for the independence of, of thought on the judiciary. Uh, possibly, you might make that argument. Um, and I haven't read the opinion, so I shouldn't make that argument. But I, I, do, I do find it somewhat comforting when 5-4 decisions are other than the five currently uh, you know, conservative judges on one side and all four of the liberal judges on the other side. So, uh, there's more to come in this. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, in another few years, there should be a final Verdict. That was going to be my final question. Was like, how long is this? Going You've to got play? time. <laughs> You've got time to get dinner uh, before the final. About seven hundred of them, uh, over or under, something like that. So let's get to what was going to be the lead story, and that is the fact that it appears that every single stock trading today is down. Including Apple, <laughs> including Apple, to the point where, and I made this joke earlier, but I'm only half joking. I think if you're looking at your portfolio and you see a stock that's up on a day like today, you might want to ask some questions about what's going on with that business because this is one of those days where everything is 
pretty much everything is in the red. And I'm curious how you, as a portfolio manager in your professional life, view days like this, where it's like, put aside the politics of the trade war between the U.S. and China. On a day like this, when everything is down, are you and your colleagues at MFAM Funds, and presumably a lot of other professional investors, just rubbing your hands in glee at the prospect of, okay, let's go find some bargains? Well, I think we view these things in context, and that is, if the market is down, Two and a half percent, as it is right now. Uh, but we weren't all that thrilled with the price of the market going into the day. And I would say that I, uh, the way that I value the market, it's a little bit overpriced. Uh, so it, it's not as if a two and a half percent sale means that it's a, a screaming bargain at the moment. It's back to where it was, a, you know, a few weeks ago or whatever it was. So I think that. Uh, it, in terms of the management of a portfolio, it depends on whether there's cash currently in the portfolios we manage. They're reasonably close to fully invested most of the time. So uh, I think that uh, it just means that we're we're down about as much as everybody else. Now I don't think that uh, today's news, while it's not good for capitalists uh, owning shares of stock at the moment, uh, it, it's far from the final word. I mean, this is chapter whatever in in the trade war, which will ultimately find a happier place. I think. How can it not? Yeah, I mean, particularly when your comparison is days like today. Right. Well, <laughs> I think that uh, you know there there are a lot of new words out in the market today about who's going to do what next. Uh, the uh, Chinese having announced their new tariffs of uh, 60 billion or 25 percent on up to 60 billion dollars worth of uh, materials and, and mostly agricultural, uh, you know. So the ball is now back in the U.S. court uh, on how to respond to that response to the U.S. response, and uh, one imagines that there may be more words and uh, more actions. I think that. Uh, that would be unfortunate, but it's a little tough to predict. Some of the players in this are hard to predict. <laughs> and one more reason why we like being investors here at The Motley Fool, who focus on businesses. Just focus on the individual companies and the businesses and the market opportunities. and. Let the macro do what the macro is going to do. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for silver linings, I'm I'm looking at what we own in uh, uh, our portfolios, and the only thing that looks to be up at the moment, and it's fractionally, it's a couple of pennies a share, is Texas Roadhouse. All right, they don't have operations in China, uh, and they are one of their main uh, costs is is the price of meat. If we're not shipping. Uh, as much meat to China uh, because of tariffs that are being put on beef, then uh, you know that's less demand, and so the the supply uh, and demand will uh, find a lower price point uh, here in the U.S. And I, I mean, Texas Roadhouse is not exactly moving up that much, and uh, but it's not being slaughtered the way companies which more obviously have. Trade with China uh, are are of course getting the the brunt of it today. Other than Apple, which also is is in the the list of things which are down the most. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned the percentage that the market is falling today, which is basically two and a half percent. Because 
the headlines that people are going to see are, of course, about the number of points that the Dow is down. Uh, you know, down 650 points. It's like, yeah, that's two and a half percent. Yeah, I, and and we're used to having been in this game as long as we've been in it, uh, knowing that in part that's because some people uh, think of the Dow uh, as as a way to keep track of where the market is. Um, you know, we've we've always sort of held up the S and P, and and people think uh, of that. People don't even know off the top of their head what the level. Of the S and P is for the most part because it doesn't get those Dow fifteen thousand headlines, uh, and so yeah, two and a half percent you know takes takes you back down to I don't know where the where the market was uh, as I look at it it's about about where it was mid March. <sighs> we all remember those mid- were tough days. We all remember <laughs> mid March twenty nineteen. <laughs> Uber's second day of trading. Is not going a whole lot better than its first day of trading. Uh, shares of Uber are down about ten percent. I was surprised. By, by not a whole lot better, you mean even worse? Even worse, yes. But so here's what surprised me, and uh, I say this as someone whose job it is to is to, among other things, follow what's happening in the financial media and and try and get a sense of what the overall coverage of different stories is. And I was genuinely surprised that after Uber's IPO, which was not successful in that it finished down for the day, it fell below, it was set at $45 a share, it closed at, I think, 42 and change, something like that. I was surprised at the number of people who were making the following comment or writing the following story, which was essentially, well, it's over now. And they weren't referring to Uber, and they weren't even referring to the ride-sharing industry. They were just appeared to be referring to IPOs. That we've had a great run, but this is it for IPOs and and possibly capitalism. Okay, maybe not that last one, but there really were a lot of people on Friday afternoon and over the weekend saying, "Look, this sort of caps the end of a nice run of IPOs." But um, look, this is this is the end of this. Uh, yeah, it is of course remarkable how quickly things move. Uh, the pendulum swings. I think peak craziness uh, was uh, the Beyond uh, Beyond Meat IPO yes. a couple of days before. Like, how much more crazy can things get than this being the story? Let's let's look and see how crazy things are for Uber, and then Uber comes out and. Uh, does not perform well as a stock over a grand total of two days so far, which will be meaningless in the long term. Uh, although that doesn't necessarily mean that that Uber is going to be some great post-IPO investment like Facebook was after its IPO. It had a little uh, bumpiness in the early days, and then uh, you know it's it's up many 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 times from where it IPO'd. So. The next couple of years are what are going to be telling. Now, you've got Lyft having followed a similar pattern, and Uber in terms of their price from IPO. So I think that there are legitimate questions about whether the ride-sharing market is uh, was properly valued by investors, or whether there was just enthusiasm. Hey, an IPO! This thing's in the headlines all the time. That creates a certain amount of demand. I'm sure people. Everybody out there who follows the market closely was aware when Uber was coming public, and there was, 
just attention and therefore demand ginned up by that, which is not backed up particularly well by Uber's and and Lyft's numbers yet. I mean, the numbers of how much money they are going to make, which remains completely speculative, I would say. Yes, and something that Ron Gross mentioned on Motley Fool Money over the weekend was, it certainly doesn't help Uber that they're going public at a time where it's in the wake of the Lyft IPO, which uh, obviously that stock just continues to go down after its opening day pop, and then uh, also in the midst of the trade war with China. But I'm glad you mentioned Facebook because. Um, Dara uh, Kashrashahi, the CEO of Uber, sent out an email to employees. And I haven't read the email, I read a, a report of the email. And apparently, one of the things uh, he referred to, in, in an, I'm assuming in an attempt to um, get his team fired up for the future, was to point out that Facebook had a rough debut in the public market, which is true um, over a short period of time, because uh, Facebook went public at 38, and within a few months, it was down to 20. Uh, and then, I don't know, a year and change later, it was somewhere in the mid-50s. Um, but apparently, he also referred to Amazon having a rough debut in the public market. And uh, I would uh, just like to point out that the numbers don't back that up at all. That, in fact, Amazon had... Uh, a great debut in the public markets and a great first few years. It you know once the the bubble popped in 2001, yeah, it took a tumble and it was it was a few years before Amazon's shares regained their footing. But I would argue that the first three years or so of Amazon being in the public markets was amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I had not remembered Amazon as having any post-IPO trouble either. Uh, so that may be uh, some fact-checking that arrives on Uber's door. Uh, but it was true in the case of Facebook, and all of the movements uh, right now are a reminder that uh, both of these things that uh, are in the past in terms of their IPO histories, Facebook and Amazon. Uh, versus Uber and Lyft, uh, which is you know over the short term, the market is a voting machine, you know, and over the long term, it's a weighing machine, and so there would be uh, no way to arrive today and not see the profits that uh, Facebook is making, uh, the sales that Amazon's making, still kind of light on the profits, but you know the weight of those companies is. Far easier to see today, uh, and uh, the market has done a reasonable job of weighing them. And right now, it's kind of hard to weigh Uber and, and Lyft. And so, in the absence of the kind of data that helps you traditionally value companies or to know, whereas with some other tech companies, uh, software as a service companies that are launching. Uh, as uh, unprofitable companies, but there is more of a known path for how the subscriber model works out and how you get to profits from there. It's uh, still up to Uber and Lyft to show that their model is going to produce profits. And until they do show that, uh, yeah, they're going to be buffeted by uh, the latest story or or something uh, other than, hey, look at our profits. That helps. 
Absolutely. And in the case of Facebook and Amazon, when they went public, there were legitimate questions about both businesses. In the case of Facebook, it was mobile is becoming increasingly important, and at the moment, you appear to make zero dollars off of mobile advertising. How are you going to do that? And they answered that quite nicely. And in the case of Amazon, it was, how are you going to get to profitability? And it took them years to get there, but while they were doing that, they were expanding their footprint, going well beyond books and music and movies. Um, and Oh, by the way, creating Amazon Web Services. So, yeah, as you said, the when we look at Lyft and Uber, the numbers that are being thrown out there in terms of what they could do are speculation. And if they answer the question, the very reasonable question, in the same way that Facebook and Amazon did, then yeah, these will be great stocks to own. And it's also worth remembering that all IPOs are get judged by, hey, how much did the stock go up? Uh, on the first day or the first week, something like that, uh, beyond what was that up? 150% at, at some point. What, beyond right. meat? Yeah. 160. 160. So, what you would want as a shareholder of the company is for the company to have sold its shares at a higher price. That would have been better. They'd have more money on the balance sheet if there had been that kind of demand known and they could have sold. IPO shares for 100% more, uh, the same number of shares, but pocket twice as much money, their company would be in a better spot today, uh, at least in terms of you know, leaving aside market sentiment. Uh, and okay, market sentiment isn't high for Uber today, but they're sitting on more money on the balance sheet, which in their case, they kind of need. Uh, rather than oh well, if they had gone public at thirty-five dollars a share and they were thirty-seven dollars right now, that would be, in the sense of the market uh, valuing them a little bit higher, that would be good. But they'd have less money on the balance sheet today. So uh, I don't want to say they did a great job with the IPO by possibly pocketing more money than their shares were worth. We don't have enough data to to really know what the shares are worth right now. Uh, but at least. They have something tangible, which is cash, and which they need. Yeah, I saw that Impossible Foods, which is a competitor of Beyond Meats, raised three hundred million dollars in another round of financing, and the CEO said something to the effect of, oh, "We're you know we're not we're not planning for an IPO just yet, but I have to believe that at least one person in the room, when they do get around to planning an IPO, and they the Topic turns to which investment bank should we use? Then it becomes um, who did Beyond Meat uh, use for their uh, IPO? Yeah, okay, not them. Whoever priced the Beyond Meat IPO and left that much money on the table, yeah, let's let's use somebody else. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, the Bed Bath and Beyond is looking for a new CEO because uh, longtime CEO Stephen uh, Tamaris stepped down this morning effective immediately. And I get that this is in an, on a day when the market is down across the board, but shares of Bed Bath and Beyond are down slightly more than the market, and I'm a little surprised at that, just because this guy's been running the company for a long time, and it really seemed like an opportunity, as we've seen before with other companies that struggle. When the CEO leaves, the stock gets a pop on his or her way out the door. 
And I thought, oh, I mean, if you had just told me, oh, the Bed Bath and Beyond is going to get a new CEO, my assumption would be, oh, shares have got to be on the rise because of that. No, no, uh, and I'm I'm surprised in in a way that you're surprised because we've kicked at Bed Bath and Beyond here before. We have, but I, I I think there's a viable business there if someone else is running it. Yeah, you're wrong though. <laughs> I'm certainly wrong today. <laughs> I'm absolutely wrong today. But stock's still up thirty percent for the year. Does that make you feel differently? It's down six percent today. It's it's uh it's beating the market this year. Bed Bath and Beyond is beating the market this year. Process that. They sell stuff that people need. They sell good stuff. They just do a bad job of selling it. I don't know. See, that's that's going to be a problem, and and the problem for them is that Amazon is going to continue to take market share, and even uh, worse than that, it's going to continue to set the pace on pricing. And so, while Bed Bath and Beyond has not really, you know, it hasn't gone away. It's it's selling, I think. all-time high in terms of sale, more or less. They keep growing sales by about 1% or 2% a year, but their margins are collapsing. And they're making about a quarter as much money on their sales as they were 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 years ago. They were making way more money 10, 15 years ago than they're making today. And that's despite inflation, that's despite being a larger company, and there is currently no reason to believe that they have a solution for the margin problem, and there is no reason to believe that Amazon is going to change its business model in a way that takes the pressure off of what they can make. So, I, as I say, you're wrong. Five, six years ago, you could have said the exact same thing, and people were saying the exact same thing about Best Buy. And then Joe Lee comes in there, and turn that company around. That stock's doubled over the past five years, and again, Best Buy is a big box retailer selling things that Amazon sells. I mean, there was the whole joke that Best Buy was Amazon's showroom, and they turned that business around. So I don't. Know, I think there is still hope for Bed Bath and Beyond, but clearly, yeah. But that's, I'm wrong today. That's the exception that proves the rule. I had to, you know, give one example. <laughs> I had to, what do you think? I was just going to roll over and right. die. But why? Why is Best uh, Best Buy doing doing better today? Why Why have they survived into you know uh, thrived a bit in in this climate? Um, I think there are two two of the reasons, um, and one is hard for me to imagine that uh, Bed Bath and Beyond could pull off, but the other isn't. Um, one is they remodeled. Their locations. The other is they've got the um, the Geek Squad. Yes, yes, yes. So, what are you going to have the Geek Squad come in and like change your bed sheets for you? What What are you getting at Bed Bath and Beyond to the extent that you can even find what you're looking for there? Because as I have argued before, it is a bit, in my experience, like going through the last scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark when you're looking for something there. Is what 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 is this place? You mean the very last scene? Of the Raiders, very last scene where the the credits start to roll, where where in the warehouse where they're uh, putting the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant away into a, you know a, a completely dense and un impenetrable warehouse uh, right after we we have lapped the the great you know line. That's what Bed Bath and Beyond needs right now. They do, <laughs> top men. Top man. They've got they've got room. 
doesn't have to be a man. I was going to say, you've got to be top top men, person, top, top women. Top, they, they need top. I think with the right leadership, this is a salvageable business. Would you ever invest in it? Let's say, let's say you care about your children and, <laughs> and leaving them money someday. Let me just make that possibly untrue assumption. Um, in that scenario, would you ever invest in them? Depends on who the next CEO is. It really does. Because I, so I, in the case of, I'm going to give you another example, which did not work out well, uh, to loop back to the first company we talked about. Uh, do you remember a few years back when uh, JCPenney got a new CEO and it was Ron, uh, I think it was Ron Johnson? And you were a big proponent of that. From Apple, yeah. And I was not the only one because Ron Johnson was the guy who made the Apple store a hit. And so people looked at him and said, gosh, Look what he did for Apple. If he can, and he's got a low bar to clear with JCPenney. And in fact, it did not work out well at all for JCPenney. Turns out it may have been the things that you could buy in the Apple store rather than the individual creating the store that was mostly responsible for their success. So that's who Bed Bath and Beyond needs. They need the next version of somebody who's not Hubert Jolie and not the next version of Ron Johnson. Yes, and who's who's on your shopping list? Uh, I don't have that kind of insight at this point, but we'll see when they they have an interim CEO right now. When they name a, a we'll come back to this when it's a uh, when they name a, a permanent CEO. The Sixers coach might be available. Maybe. The Philadelphia 76ers coach might be looking for a new job sometime soon. And on that note. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>